0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to season two
1: of Cinematics. I got a bad feeling about you.
0: Hey, guys. Welcome back. I'm Ryan. I'm fucking Polly. And we are back for a season two of Cinematics. It has been... It's been a long time. It's been probably almost a year now since we've released an episode... Uh, we took hiatus because uh, I was moving. Polly had a bunch of stuff he was doing, and it just wasn't wasn't working with our lives at the time. But we are very excited to be back doing this again. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. We're going to be doing Rogue One today. Uh, now that the newest trilogy from Disney's Star Wars has concluded, to yay <laughs> 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 to whatever sort of response you you feel deems is deemed necessary um and uh so that we're talking the 2016 released rogue one directed by gareth edwards written by chris whites and tony gilroy as credited on imdb also apparently um uh johnny nolan gary witta have story by credits uh john Nolan sorry oops so, we're, we've got some new stuff that we want to do with this podcast, um, a little bit of a new format. So, to start off with, um, I'll just give a, a short little rundown of my initial thoughts of the movie uh, in just a couple minutes, and then, Polly, I'll throw it over to you to do the same. All right. For me, the first time I watched it, it was hands down my favorite of the Disney Star Wars that had been released that far. Um, having said that, that included that movie and force awakens. And that was pretty much it. But even now coming back to it, uh, for almost hell, almost four years later, um, I would still say that it's my favorite of all the Disney star Wars movies so far. Um, now of course, I'm sure there will people who will, people who will disagree with me and that's totally fine. No, it's not Ryan. No, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. What was I thinking? Gosh, everybody has to have the same opinion as me, or else <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> um, but I—I uh, I don't know. I just—I loved that it took us to a place that a Star Wars movie hadn't done yet. You know, it brought us a dark, gritty war movie that that went into more about the the world of the Empire and what the Empire does. And it wasn't just about the holier-than-thou white-robed Jedi knights fighting on the side of good and then, you know, the dark-robed Sith on the side of evil. There's there's gray areas. And, and that's something that the whole modern Star Wars uh, franchise has been trying to do, which I do really appreciate, um, even when it doesn't work. But I think that this movie did a really good job of that. It showed us a lot about the Empire's different outposts, it brought us to new planets, it gave us um, new characters that were interesting and I felt uh, were quite engaging for the most part with some exceptions of course Um, but it gave me what I wanted out of a Star Wars movie and have been wanting out of a Star Wars movie since the franchise first, well since I first became a fan and and I, I love Star Wars, you know? I mean, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite intellectual properties. I, I love the world-building. I love the depth of the universe. I love thinking about all the things that could be that are never fully realized in movies. Or, um, and, and I think this was one of those examples of, of a place where we got to see a little bit of that world-building in, in a way that wasn't just main quest line and, you know, sort of deal. It's a side quest. Um, and for a movie based on one line in one uh, screen crawl at the beginning of one movie, it had a lot of stuff to say. You know, uh, do you know why they didn't put
1: a screen crawl in this? Their their thought process? Do
0: Do share. I would love to hear.
1: I guess... Gareth Edwards stated, as on Wikipedia, so, you know, but anyway, uh, Gareth Edwards stated that since this movie came from the crawl, essentially, that's why they didn't include a crawl, which makes sense. Yeah, you
0: know, I actually I did appreciate that it it makes it stand out from the universe as a whole in that it's not just a part of episode, the episodal trilogies, um, you know. It defines it as being something different, which I appreciated.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater, and it felt a little jar- like a little jarring, but in a good way. It was just kind of like, oh, we're just we're just jumping right into it. No, no title crawl. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was still more functional than uh, than the beginning of uh, episode nine. <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I liked. I don't know. It just essentially it's a movie that's just filling up filling in gaps and plugging holes essentially but um, it's it was cool to see different sides of things you already knew like the Death Star they really kind of expanded all what the death Star could do I kind of related it to um, it being like like an atom bomb like the Star Wars equivalent of the atom bomb or something like that and just the like the production design and all that just really it felt really like World War Two slash Vietnam sort of era. Totally. And uh, I don't know. You pretty much said it. You pretty much <laughs> said it. Like a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these are just little notes. <laughs>
0: um, I, I like that idea that you mentioned of of it being the the Star Wars atom bomb. You know, um, partially because Gareth Edwards actually directed the twenty fourteen Godzilla movie. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is very interesting that. A franchise that is essentially about nuclear bombs being dropped uh, would take on this project and it would just so happen to feel as though it was in the same way about a nuclear bomb waiting to go off
1: yeah i mean you could even i don't know de- depending on how you see it but when uh when uh Jetta gets gets bombed i guess or whatever blasted by the death star in the beginning or the ending of the first act sorry i'm stumbling over my words i haven't done this for a while (laughs) (laughs) i don't know to me that just kind of felt like maybe they're going off of like hiroshima or hiroshima right Mm -hmm. when they first launched like when they first dropped well it wasn't an atom bomb that they dropped there but it was a nuke but it's still the same same sort of thing it felt like it probably could have had a similar effect like an entire city just wiped out and you know literally at the at, at light speed pretty much
0: the the destruction even appears to be framed after a lot of the same like it, it's not as uh specific as making a mushroom cloud but you see the way that the the dust and the explosion comes up and it feels like it it is designed after that look you know exactly like
1: yeah, it's like the Star Wars equivalent of the atom bomb. Like you can see the explosion like breaching the atmosphere and it's almost touching the Death Star.
0: That, yeah, that shot. Oh, that, that you know, the whole <laughs> movie. That whole sequel. Actually, something I noticed that was really interesting is is the amount of um, times that the movie, uh, the cinematography leaves us watching from a distance. Um, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. there's a lot of wide shots. There's a lot of, big scoping landscapes where you see, you know, like right in the beginning when, when uh, Krennic first comes in to pick up the Ursos, um, he comes in and it's just a wide shot of like the ship coming in and the, the planet and the, the farm in the Mm -hmm. background, or, you know, different uh, relation uh, traveling shots to planets where the ship is just kind of in the background, moving through things or, or when people are running off and they're, planetary battles and you're way back in the wide looking at just armies of people um so i guess on that note that was something i wanted to talk about is that to me more than any other star wars movie this film feels like a like a war movie like you said yeah absolutely um yeah it's styled after a classic world war ii movie uh especially the final fight sequence which to be fair is Almost a third of the movie uh, is that battle right. on Scarif. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. a quarter.
1: Well, even and even the way it starts out, too, it's, you know, this this family hiding from the Empire and then they come and they take him away. Right. And they kill his wife and everything. Conscription. Like that's I, I feel like that's. I'm pretty sure that's how, like, a lot of war movies start. I mean, I haven't watched any for a while, but it seems like that's a common trope found in war movies. Taken
0: away from it's... your family to go fight the war Did... that you don't even want to be a part of. Exactly. Yeah. And and there, there's the, the whole thing is filled with this um, endless fear, desperation, this sort of... I mean, I keep going back to that last combat scene, I guess, because to me that's where I see it the strongest. But you you just... You see... The cinematography is designed in the same way. The the they actually use tactics to a point. That was something I found yeah, was yeah. funny. You you see a yeah, lot of
1: like little squads and stuff and yeah.
0: they're actually using cover in almost trench warfare style, whereas in mm-hmm. other Star Wars movies a lot of times you're seeing stormtroopers standing in a line with their blasters at their hips shooting randomly. It's like they, they yeah, you know yeah. in episode 4 they say oh nobody's as accurate with the blasters stormtroopers but then you watch them and it's like they never fucking hit anything. <laughs> they never hit yeah. anything and they're never aiming. You know, whereas like in this one it looks like they actually are soldiers fighting a war. Um yeah. You know, troop airdropping troops um in the the battle things like that. I just I found that really interesting that they went into that kind of detail. And kind of
1: building on what you said about this um the cinematography and how everything is shot at a distance and i think that gives a really good idea on the scale of things like when you see the death star right like you're you're looking at you're like holy holy shit like this thing is massive like it's huge and then you see like the star destroyers and stuff just hovering over cities and everything and you can see like how massive those things are too. Like they put like the haze in front of it. And then one thing I noticed too, is there was a shot of a star destroyer coming out by the death star. Like when you first see the death star and they're putting the the cannon in it, they even have different types and colors of lights on the star destroyers just to make them look a
0: little bit bigger. Oh, oh, interesting! I didn't see that, but I like that. Yeah, they weren't
1: just like little white specks, but it looks like they had like loading bays and like a bunch of other like a a bunch of other things on it just to make it look even bigger.
0: That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. I appreciate you bringing that up. Anytime,
1: anytime, that's what I do.
0: And I guess to the war movie part two, something I noticed, and I, I've been really caught up in watching a lot of, um. YouTubers these days doing like movie discussions in in podcasts and and in YouTube and things like that. And um I've watched a couple on Rogue One and and so far I've yet to hear anybody mention this. So part of me is tentative, but I feel like it needs to be said. And that is that Jeddah the production design, the the construction of the city, the the way that people are are costumed um the way that the streets are shot, the way that they put backgrounds in, well, first of all, it, it's it's extremely co- uh, claustrophobic. You have Cassian and, and Jin walking through the streets getting pushed around constantly, and it's just it's just normal. That whole travel through that city is super claustrophobic. But it feels very indicative of of a Middle Eastern city. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> it feels it feels like it's speaking to uh or or calling images from the the conflict in the middle east mostly in the like the foreign empire coming in they're taking resources from this place that can't defend itself or can but not in a uh not in a way that is organized and and global it's it's mostly just rebels and and insurgents in the background attacking, you know, caravans and convoys, right? It's like, it's very indicative of the conflict in the Middle East. Yeah, I was, I don't know if I
1: mentioned this already, but uh, the final battle at Scarif kind of reminded me of Vietnam.
0: Well, the jungle, the the beaches. Yeah,
1: exactly. And even just like the the ships making their rounds and there's gunners, like there's gunners on turrets and stuff, and they're just blasting them away that kind of reminded me of something you'd see in Vietnam
0: for sure. For sure. And like the, the tropical trees and the, the, the landmines and, and there, I mean, it basically looks like they're using napalm at some point They're they're running flamethrowers and things all over the place. It's yeah. 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 It's, it's, if it wasn't world war two, it would be Vietnam for sure. Or both. Or just,
1: just different areas. Right. Yeah, totally. But the, the, the one, the one, I don't even think it was a city or a planet, sorry, but it was a city. What was it called? Uh, kafreen or whatever. When you first meet Cassian.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: That place was pretty cool. Like, I wish there was a little bit more time spent in that because it had like, it had this cyberpunk sort of Blade Runner feel to it. And I was just like, man, this place is cool. Like, I, I want to come back here. I know.
0: And that's, that's, to be honest to me, that's one of the things I love so much about, about the Star Wars universe is that there's, there's so much world building out there. There's so many locations. There's so many details in, in the world, but there's never enough time in a movie, a single movie, or even in a trilogy to, to get into it as much as, as anybody would want. And and to me, that's a sign that it's well constructed is that people want to see it. Exactly. You know, the fact that the extended universe is so absolutely massive and it's, still doesn't seem to cover everything that exists i don't i don't think it it ever could no matter what you do but it's the kind of thing that i i love diving into um and it's the kind of thing that i love writing so i i really uh, appreciate learning from these experiences as well watching um watching these these movies and how they're handled to that end i guess another interesting point is how gritty and dark the whole thing is you mentioned the scene with uh cassian right at the beginning there when he's getting info and he's meeting that guy in an alley uh yeah right and it's like it's it's the more or less the opening scene you know it's the first time we see cassian it's also the first time that we really understand the plot of the movie in a way um you know it's like we, we obviously were introduced to jen first because she's numero uno um and then we see, we see this this exchange happen, and it ends with Cassian being forced to kill stormtroopers, and then cornered with a man who helped him and has a broken arm and can't escape. He has to calm him and then shoot him in the back because he can't let him fall into into the Empire's hands to give away information, and he can't let him. He he the guy can't get out, so he has no choice. And that was the... Okay. I I was. It's a really heavy. That that was a really heavy moment for Star Wars, for a film that classically has so much black and white in it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't show the rebels doing things like that in the originals, and and I really appreciated that about this. You know that these people are are desperate and they're afraid and they're losing and they're fighting against all odds and they have no hope left and they're just doing what they can, and and to, to wrap that point up, I guess, not to wrap the point up, but to finish my sentence, my thought, <laughs> is that at the end, um, right before they leave for the for the fight, there's that quote, Cassian says, uh, what is it, most of us, we've all done terrible things on behalf of the Rebellion, spies, saboteurs, assassins, everything I did, I did for the Rebellion, and every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget, I told myself it was for a cause I believed in, a cause that was worth it, without that, we're lost. Um, and I really liked how that wrapped around all the way to the end, back to the beginning and sort of tied all of that up in a nice little bow of just like, they're just people doing what they have to do to fight for something that they believe in. And you don't see that nearly as much in the originals. I don't think.
1: No, no, not, not at all. Cause I, I remember seeing this in the theater and when that happened, I was, I was, little shocked from it i was like oh man like this isn't this isn't your your grandpa's star wars anymore this is like some new shit
0: (laughs) your grandpa's star
1: wars (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know but yeah it was it was just it was nice to see you know a bit of gray thrown in there being like you know there's not it's not so clear-cut it's not so black and white as as people are thought to believe about star wars I guess in a lot of ways just because it's
0: it's been that for like forty years right it, it has been and I mean you know the the original trilogy was made at a different time um with different moral mm, semi different morals and, and different different problems and a different view on the world and um a reboot of anything or a continuation of anything should add something different it should make something new within the world and i think to that extent i absolutely adore how the the new ones in general but also specifically this movie really make a point of of you know talking about how it's not black and white
1: yeah and it kind of one of the things i think it follows too is that sort of uh security over freedom right yeah that's what the empire pretty much supplies is is security, but not necessarily freedom. That's it's kind of the thing. Not that they, you know, not that the galaxy chose to give to give up their their freedom for security. It kind of just happened. But I mean, as the Empire went in power, they're probably made to believe that, right? You know, the Jedi are, Jedi are bad and all this and whatever. But maybe from a certain point of view, they are. <laughs> oh no. <you> didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: must be one of the i mean you know what i i got I, like that that idea from episode three is really important the delivery of it was really bad though <laughs> well it's it's not i i honestly i mean i don't think it's entirely caden christensen or any of the actors in that movie's fault no uh, uh, just the writing the the but... george george lucas has said multiple times in public that he is not good at writing dialogue and it shows yeah the dialogue is, <laughs> has never been well done in these movies and when you're given what you're given you just have to you just got to do with it what you can i don't like sand it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, on that dark gritty thought though something else i found was interesting is that people don't have plot armor in this movie you know um, that was something that to reference a recent mistake, um, that was something that the battle of Winterfell and, and, you know, season eight of game of Thrones in general really, really boned, um, was there was no, there was no stakes in in that season. And, and especially in that episode, because no matter what you knew that, um, the main characters that were important, weren't going to die because they had plot armor that said they couldn't. Um, and I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms to open up that we should probably leave half closed in the closet right now. Um, (laughs) but you know, at the end of the movie, the people legitimately die for the things that they care about. You know, The, the cause that they're fighting for is their death and, and they're okay with that. They, they just, they just know that it has to happen and and, and they die for it, and lots of people die. Now, a ca- well, not really a caveat, but a side note to that is, I think a way that it could have been improved would be to have someone die earlier. And I don't mean like, oh, Cassian shot some spy or something. I mean like, they needed, I thought, they should have had a character close to the beginning who felt really important bite the bullet for the cause definitely
1: because Saw Guerrero doesn't count.
0: (laughs) God, no,
1: that was such a lame death,
0: man. I, I, I got some stuff to say about that in a sec. Um, but, but essentially just if, if someone had been killed in the beginning, that was, and I don't mean like an hour in or 45 minutes in, I mean like 20 minutes in 30 minutes in while we're still in that beginning phase where people are still willing to buy into the universe. Um, And whatever you put at them. Because the stuff you show at the beginning of a movie is what people are going to buy. But the further into the movie you get, the more the illusion falls apart. Yeah, the the harder it is to sell something new. Um, And I think it would have been more stressful in a good way. It would have increased tension throughout the film if someone important had died in the beginning. Because then you would know right off the bat that this wasn't a regular Star Wars movie and that the characters that you, you love might get shot or stabbed or thrown off a bridge or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and not to say that it was done poorly because I really, really liked that part about that, this movie, but it would have been interesting to see that happen. Well, they, they could on. have even
1: done it with, uh, Jin's mom. Like she could have escaped with them or something. And then if you followed her for a little while, and then maybe you saw that she got, she got killed at some point i don't know but like just as an example like because apparently i I don't know much about him but saw guerrero is a pretty big deal in the clone wars i think
0: yeah he has a whole storyline where um as like a young kid him and his sister are fighting against the the clone armies um or, or sorry against the the separatist armies as part of like a terrorist group on this one planet and the Jedi Council decides that because they're considered terrorists, they can't give them any major support. But uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin go to the planet as trainers and basically serve as, as combat trainers to teach them how to fight properly so that these young insurgents can uh, perform a successful overthrow of the Separatist governments on their planet. Uh, and they do, but in the process, Saw loses his sister. Um, and it's kind of like the big, pivotal, emotional moment of that storyline. Um, and he he carries through, all the way through um, so he gets... uh, the Rebels, I think, show. I think he's in the Rebels show as well. Oh, I okay. That one. oh, okay. He just... I kind
1: of see what they were doing. He was kind of, he was falling apart. He was, you know, he was half robot and everything, which is kind of an interesting, you know, parallel possibly between him and Vader. Like, you know, the things that they did to support their cause and everything. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Like he doesn't want to run anymore. Like he's just, he's tired. He's falling apart. You know, he can't breathe anymore. That's like another thing. He's like part machine. He's breathing with this
0: mask and everything. I loved that part of his character design. I must say that That like uh, oxygen thing that hanging off his armor was so, yeah, cool. yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, like I get that he wants to he wants to go out, but I mean, at least at least have him go out with a fight, maybe that's the point, like that's the that's the thing of war is you know, not everybody gets these big places in history books and stuff, or you know whatever you want to say, but it would have been nice just to see him have a little bit a little bit more at least follow them through to the end,
0: I mean, I think. I think that, I like, like you said, I understand what they were trying to do. Uh, I understand, yeah, he was an old man. He was broken. The, the Resistance had drained all of the fight out of him, and he was, he was done. He was, he was through. And, and that would have been okay, except we didn't give a shit about him. We had seen him for about 30 seconds at the beginning of the movie, and then we see him for about two minutes where him and Jin have their reunion and then he sacrifices himself except that he doesn't he doesn't die for any cause or any reason or any purpose (laughs) and we don't know anything about him unless you've watched the clone wars and you know that his his like his backstory um you don't know anything about him so he's just some guy who has been told to the audience is kind of a dick to everybody so much so that even the the Rebel Alliance won't work with him because he's such an extremist. And we see him stand back and die for no reason because he doesn't feel like running. Yeah, I don't know. I've,
1: I feel like he's probably just there
0: for fan service. Like people can go,
1: oh, that's Saw Gerrera, awesome. Oh, now he's dead. He was vaporized by the Death Star.
0: But I don't know that there's much fan service to that because, I mean, at the end of the day, Sa is a character from a kid's show who has three, maybe four episodes.
1: A kid show that many people watch back then are adults now, though, too. But even
0: still, like I didn't it's, watch the it. The show's not that old. The Clone Wars is not. I, I'm going to look this up quickly. 2008 to two, to
1: 2020. The all, just, oh, the Clone Wars. Epi- you, are, are you talking the Clone Wars or
0: Rebels? The Clone Wars. Season seven uh, is supposed to apparently come out this year apparently i didn't realize I, there was a i thought that seven.
1: i thought that show was out in like the early 2000s around the time like clone war or attack of the clones came out or something or am i thinking of something
0: else Two two 2008 was when the tv show the clone wars was released for the first time there,
1: there's another one though that's from the earlier 2000s i can't remember what it's called it was is it a movie or a show i think it was a show it had this really weird like sort of samurai jack animation do you know which one i'm talking about um, I mean, that sounds kind of like The Clone Wars. Yeah, because that show was out around the time, like, Episode 3 or The Attack of the Clones was out. Because I think they just re-released it
0: or or something. 2000, according to IMDb, Episode 1 of Season 1 of The Clone Wars was released on the 3rd of October 2008.
1: Oh, mine says 2003. Really? Yeah, that's on Wikipedia. I fucking, yeah, I'm... Yeah, and uh IMDB from what I can see on Google here. It says T V series two thousand three
0: to two thousand five. Well, that's weird because the IMDB that I opened up for that. But anyways, either yeah. way, that's still only Neither two thousand and three. Yeah. Um which means that that was only fifteen years ago that it first came out. Which is quite a long time, to be fair. Yeah. Um but he's He's still, he's one character who's got four episodes in a six season long show that isn't even the, like, the number one main character of that episode. Oh, okay.
1: I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So I don't think calling it fan service is is enough <laughs> to, to yeah. explain why he was so wasted. Yeah. I, f- I feel like he either had more of a role that was cut in the reshoots and and reworking of the story or he was just yeah i don't know it just it feels like it it's something was there that was cut or it was just not written very well to begin with but but he's just he's a wasted character 100% and in a now hot take here for a sec but i i feel like most of the other characters in the movie are quite relatable they're they're well-rounded they have barring Jin's abrupt switch from one side of caring to the other side um they have good motivations they're relatable they're interesting they they have my attention um and my support except for him
1: yeah the the one the one character that i had trouble uh taking seriously was cassian for some reason Really? Every time I saw him on screen, I don't know if it was his haircut or what, but I don't know I don't know why that came up, but like I don't know there's just something about him, especially maybe towards the end of the movie he got better, but there was something about him that I just had a really hard time taking seriously,
0: really yeah, interesting yeah. Be- because i i was i was the opposite i um I mean, we don't know a lot about his backstory, but I feel like despite that. We know enough about his. It's it's his not even it's that, not even
1: that the 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 character was bad or the acting was bad or anything, but there was just something about it. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. It's not. He's he's a good character. I like his arc and everything. Like, I don't. Know. But something <laughs> yeah. about you.
0: Yeah. that's something about him That that's interesting I'd, I'd love to I'd love to uh find out if you ever think about what it might have been I'd love to hear it. I honestly think it's his haircut um, I don't know why but every time I st- I look at that
1: haircut there's just something he he looks like he belongs in a well I was gonna say he looks like he belongs in a Disney movie but he's already in a Disney movie <laughs> oh isn't that sad it would have been nice because the pilot I can't what was his name booty or something Bodie. yeah Bodie booty but uh booty booty, but uh because uh him and um uh, galen so had a friendship and then when you first see him he's just being dragged through the desert and he's like i have this message for you but it would have been nice to see a little bit beforehand to see you know his thought process on defecting from the empire and sort of develop his friendship with Galen or so a little bit, just so cause they never even share any screen time at all. And they're, apparently there are these really good friends and everything. And he like
0: showed him the way, I mean, I don't know that they were necessarily really good friends. I feel like the impression I get is that, you know, Bodhi being a pilot, you know, he probably flies to that facility a lot carrying cargo, but I doubt he would have shared that much interaction with, with Galen anyways. I think they just, they knew each other enough that Galen could trust him. Um, my, I guess. I guess my overall counterpoint would be that the movie is already over two hours long, and yeah, as much as I fair. I agree that I think that it would be nice, I also think that. In some instances, you just have to trust your audience. and I think in that in that instance, they kind of just have to i
1: yeah, I see they had yeah. to trust
0: that you would understand, yeah, because i I mean everybody knows that the empire's
1: bad, and you know being on the empire, you probably see a lot of crazy shit, so
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, they try really hard also to to make to humanize the empire in a way though in this too they right? do like, yeah. It, I mean, maybe maybe more so in some of the other titles that Disney's put out since, um, with Finn being a stormtrooper and all that kind of stuff. But the, the stormtroopers are not just brainless, mindless drones anymore. They have a little bit of personality. They seem to have a little bit of... Hum- humanity to them. Yeah, and then you, we're, we're seeing officers who are real people. We're seeing engineers who are just normal people. We're seeing... Uh, this pilot now who's just a normal person who's just forced into, you know, and it's just it's a bunch of people being forced to serve somebody because they don't have the will to fight them. And then there's the higher ups who are, you know, ambitious like Krennic and, and Tarkin and whatnot, who um, who are the big bads, but uh, and and serve a good purpose because the Empire has to still be evil because you can't show people like Cassian who are supposed to be good guys shooting people in the back in alleyways if the thing that they're fighting is not wrong and also they they made the
1: stormtroopers just in in some ways just as relatable to the rebel foot soldiers as well you know they're like the what brings something to mind is when they're on Scarif and then you see those two stormtroopers just walking along the beach and
0: he's like oh did you hear that they discontinued those t-60s or whatever he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> the 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 t uh crap i forgot the number that that makes me feel really dumb the t-16 i think because th- that was the big joke is that the t-16 blaster the original blaster is such a bad gun and that's why the stormtroopers always missed
1: oh i because oh, that's i the... didn't even know those were guns i thought they were ships i thought they might have been yeah, like it's, ships it's or something. the
0: it's the blasters that the stormtroopers use, and they're supposed to be just, like, horribly inaccurate. Oh, I see. <laughs> so yeah, they're that, marking okay. them as... <laughs> I, I I laughed the first time, the second time, and probably third time I listened to that part, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that... That's one thing, actually, that the movie did pretty well, I think. There's there's a good level of comic relief that, that balances it out in the right moments, I yeah,
1: think. Yeah, I think uh, K2... Um, K2 because of that is one of my favorite droids ever. Just has those little Yeah, well moments.
0: also I mean it's Alan Tudyk. I just anybody that is played by Alan Tudyk just makes me so happy that I can't even um <laughs> <laughs> like when, well, he's just, when he first meets Rain, he's like, Congratulations, you are
1: being rescued or whatever after he like body slams her. Try not to resist. <laughs> yeah, try not to resist.
0: <laughs> so the comic relief I think was was pretty solid in that aspect. And then you also had Cheerit uh, cheer it too. And his, his friend that I can't remember the name of, the big-ass gun. Um, oh, yeah, Donnie Yen and that that
1: other dude. Yeah,
0: yeah. Actually, that's something I, I kind of appreciated. You know, it's there was a pretty good amount of diversity. Like, the main crew that we follow is, uh, you know, obviously, first of all, she's female. And then there's Cassian, who's Mexican. And then there's those two Asian gentlemen. And then there's also the guy who plays Bodhi who's Pakistani yeah yeah which I I thought that was kind of cool that they're like you know you're actually getting to see evidence that the universe is bigger than just
1: yeah Lando wasn't the only black man in the in the (laughs) galaxy or in the universe
0: (laughs) exactly
1: uh yeah fucking Donnie Yen in this movie made me laugh so many times like him him and that other guy, they have such a good they have such a good dynamic between them. He's like the big, the that's big a, serious. Wen Wen Jiang Wen Jiang
0: Wen Jiang. Yeah, Wen Zhang. I'm maybe okay. pronouncing it wrong. Oh, okay. but yeah, Baze.
1: One thing I thought about him though, because it's kind of implied throughout. I mean, it's kind of implied a little bit throughout the movie, given the planet that they're on. At least in my own mind, that that he could have been a Jedi. And that would have been kind of cool to see maybe towards the end where you find out that he was like hiding a lightsaber or something the whole time and that was the last time he brought it out was on the battlefield at scarif. That would have been kind of cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I, for, I for can me see that, that could have
1: For me anyways, like I'm I'm a bit of a, a nerd when
0: it comes to lightsabers and shit. So <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it would have been wrong, but I would I would argue a counterpoint just for the sake of it, that um in a world where uh, the Jedi have all been killed, yeah, and, and I, yeah, and I that. thought about
1: that too. Like he, would, I, I, it's not worth the risk carrying a lightsaber around with you, especially when it could get taken away at any
0: time and expose you to the Empire. Yeah, I I also think that it's it's cool that there's this society of people whose sole task or mission, I guess, is to guard the remnants of the Jedi Order, um, and that they're force sensitive, but they're not. They're not force users in the same way, and you don't see much of that in the movies. But there is reference to it in the Clone Wars. There's there's an entire race of people who are force sensitive. Uh, there's a couple of episodes that talk with for, uh, force sensitive races who, or I guess species is the better word, force sensitive species who um, don't use the force in the same way, but have access to it. And, and I kind of like that because it it's not it's making the 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 force an actual thing. And then the religions around it um, and the belief systems around it are different, but they're all based on the same force concept, which is, which is, which is cool. I, I, I liked right. how that, I yeah. like how that kind of deepens some of the, some of the discourse on it.
1: It also seemed to me whenever um, Donnie Yen's character, I can't remember his name. Chirrut. Yeah. I found it kind of funny because he, he would always say, like, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. A lot of the time, it seemed like he was only chanting that when he was scared out of his mind about something. It's true. Like when he was walking up to that, that thing for the for the transmission of the Death Star and everything, and he's walking through all those
0: explosions. He's calling on the Force to protect him from death?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Force did protect me. I protected you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, or I mean, speaking of comedic relief, to go back to, um, to that for half a second, the the moment when they're about to enter the facility on Scarif, and the the doors of the the elevator are closing, and uh, there's stormtroopers and officers and whatever on the platform, and and good old Mister K two starts to say the classic Star Wars line, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> but they both cut him off at the exact like, you know, y- yeah. everybody everybody gets it cuz it's in every movie. And and let me tell you, if I could if I counted the number of times that they say I got a bad feeling about this in the Clone Wars like the the animated show, <laughs> there's, there's seasons where it's every single episode. <laughs> or like multiple times in episodes, somebody says it, and it's not just like it's stuck with one person who's got it as like a, a catchphrase. It's like Jedi are saying it, and then the 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 pirates say it at one point, and then like a clone is saying it, and then like the officers are saying it, and it's like, I mean, I, I get it. It's the it's the catchphrase of of the of the series a little bit, but uh, I appreciated that little self-deprecating piece of of humor. Yeah. Um,
1: very self aware. It's nice that you know movies can do that from time to time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, oh, there was another thing I felt actually, to go back to the Saw Guerrera thing uh, as a, a wasted character. Um, something I think they wasted was Borgullet.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I, I was thought, <laughs> I always thought he was calling it Bugali.
0: <laughs> Bring him to Bugali. <laughs> Bugali. I just like it's it's a it's a really cool idea. The creature is freaky as heck, and like the idea that this terrorist keeps uh, a strange, blind octopussian sort of monster in his in his castle that can read your mind is cool. And it's even better that it is supposed to make you lose your mind. Like that line when he said that, I was like. That right there defines the state that the rebellion is in, that they are willing to stoop to a level where they will break the mind of someone who's supposedly there to help them because they don't trust him and they don't know what to do. That's how desperate they are. And then all it takes is, uh, what's his name, um, Cassian, to say, are you the pilot, to completely snap him back out of it again. Oh right, right, yeah. Right, it's like yeah. He, so obviously, either people don't lose their mind, or they temporarily lose their mind, or Bodhi should be like a master Jedi for the mental abilities that he has. <laughs> but it just, it bothered yeah. me, you know. Is like, and that scene would have been kind of interesting if they're trying to leave and they know they have to save the pilot because he's their only evidence. But he's completely bonkers. And he can't see up from down and he has no idea what's going on. Right. Like that would have just made... have him
1: completely out of his mind, but he's still a good pilot and he still knows like certain protocols, even though they might have to help him out with it or something, or he might like have these like violent episodes on the ship or something. That'd be kind of interesting. Just have him change throughout the whole movie. Just
0: that could be his character change. And and maybe he re- rebuild himself afterwards so that like eventually some big thing would happen and he would he would snap back and he would fix himself and then it would be it would be a challenge it would be a strength of, of will and a test of 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 endurance that he was able to come back, um, and yet, instead it's just so easy that it completely takes away yet another part of Saw Gerrera that could have been so interesting. It's like just as he
1: kind of starts getting his mind back together again that's when the death star vaporizes him like, oh, <laughs> i feel like i feel like me again and then it's just blown apart
0: <laughs> there's so many ways it could have been taken that would have you know but instead they they went with um i need to redeem myself which fair but then take out Borgullet. gullet it serves no plot purpose yeah they could have just
1: easily as you know Considering it's a war movie, they could have just taken him as a prisoner of war and
0: tortured him. Put him in a room out. with a little bare bulb light over top or something and beat him up a bit until yeah. they're like, all right, you're probably you know, and that would have done just the same purpose. Yeah, have him so he's like the last one getting
1: out because they just left him in the interrogation room or something when the Death yeah. Star blew up
0: Jetta. Oops. Exactly. It's like that 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 that's a, a really good test of writing is if an element of your story can be removed without affecting the overall plot, then it shouldn't be there. Exactly. Like it's just like, Hey, we have, well, to be fair too, like, they
1: didn't entirely know how they were shooting this when they did. Like a lot of the stuff you see in the trailers was just extra stuff. They shot because they didn't exactly know what they were doing. Like apparently actors had to do, their lines several different times in different ways because they didn't know how the how the movie was going to be 100 percent. so maybe that was like a last minute decision to do that but
0: yeah i mean i think there's a lot that can be said for the confusion in production of um you know because if if i have this correct which i believe i do the original director had intended it to be extremely dark and very serious and very heavy um and then when the cuts started coming into disney they were like nope nope this is way too dark we need to lighten the mood we need to make it more about hope which holy heck did they need to stop saying the word hope like oh
1: man i have the exact same notes in my mind i'm like (laughs) dude you can you can get the themes across without saying it every like because i was By the end of the movie, I was kind of, I didn't record it. I should have. But I was wondering how many times they said the word hope in this.
0: When they're arguing over the plans, over going to or um, Scarif to get the plans uh, at the rebel base, it's like, oh, there's no hope. Oh, rebellions are built on hope. There isn't any hope. How can we hope? And I'm like, it's literally two sentences, three sentences back to back or like hope, hope, hope. And I'm like, "Okay, we get it. You're beating us over the head with this word. Hope is not a club. It's a subtle <laughs> theme. But yeah. apparently they don't know how themes work very well sometimes. Or at least, again, I'm sure that can be kind of uh, faulted to reshoots and last-minute changes and, and what you were talking about with uh, lack of certainty on set as to how the movie was going to end up. Right, right. If someone out there listening has counted let us know i would love to hear the count i don't think i can watch this movie again for the next little while i've watched it like four times in the last three weeks Oh shit. but um but if someone out there has counted let me know
1: there could be a drinking game in this the star wars rogue one hope drinking game
0: i well, we should start it write up the rules get it online right now go we <laughs> gotta get this going before
1: somebody steals it Next time we review a Star Wars movie, we'll have to talk about hope and just, just
0: drink. Yes, please. Um, something I actually noticed to go to the technical side for a minute is that a lot, I don't want to, I don't want to say this with too much surety because I haven't gone back to the pre or the original trilogy as much as I should have in the last month. But especially with this one, they did a really good job of matching the production design to the tone that they were trying to get across.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: All of the lighting is super high contrast. There's a fluctuation of how high contrast, but like there's not very much uh, washed lighting. A lot of the scenes are really, really dark or at least as dark as, you know, they can be in a in a Disney movie Um and everybody in the Rebels is wearing browns and grays and and there's no color, even the planets they go to, like Yavin 4, the one time they go to Yavin 4, you see the bright red of of the main planet. Yeah. And that's the most color you see in the whole movie. You know, the rest of it, it's like it's browns and it's grays and it's it's dark sand and and deserts and stormy planets and, and like the the production design of all of it was really nicely toned i thought to a bit of a good bit of pathetic fallacy i guess yeah
1: yeah i agree the return i'm i'm sorry i got to go on this cuz this was one of the only reasons i got into star wars when i was a kid in the first place but the return of darth vader we got to talk about that
0: oh my god i oh man I don't want to say it was the strongest scene in the whole movie. But when he turns on that lightsaber in that fucking hallway and just starts obliterating people, the energy and the anger and oh, that scene gave me goosebumps. (laughs) I I used to I I don't know, like because I
1: like both the scenes that he's in. But like the first scene you see him, he's a fucking G man. Like he's got, he's got a a mansion by the (laughs) river, you know, he has servants. He's, you know, he, he's, he's in the bath when, when uh, Krennic comes around and then he gets out face and then yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he gets out and then once uh, Krennic wears his welcome out, he just
0: asks them to leave. Not very politely, but he just asks them to leave. i (laughs) i i loved i loved it yeah there was there wasn't too much of him there was exactly just enough to make me want more without being like okay we've seen vader yeah and a lot of a lot of people hate on it but i will say that i i thought the be careful not to choke on your aspirations line (laughs) I love it. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people I've heard talk about it are mad because it's not Darth Vader to be punny but to me that was that was the last little bit of Anakin in him. You know the last little bit of wry sarcastic punny humor that we see Anakin have throughout all the prequels and throughout whatever he's got that kind of sense of humor and it's that last little bit of him left inside and then when we see him again next it's when everything's going to shit. He's a, he's losing the Death Star plans. Everything seems to be kind of going out of control and it's gone. Anakin's not there anymore. It's just hatred. I,
1: I kind of disagree with that for two reasons. I'm ready. One of them in, in the comics, especially, you see that there's still just a little bit left of him, like when he's meditating and stuff and he's having these dreams, like you can still see that there's, things from anakin's past that still kind of still kind of haunt him and then you know by the you know return of the jedi he comes back completely and then there's also that that fight on bespin when he fights luke for the first time he he has like a little bit of sparse kind of sarcastic kind of you know cockiness to him he's like uh when he jumps out of the out of the carbonite chamber and he's like impressive. He's, he's got a little of that. I, I like that.
0: I like that.
1: It's, yeah. Like it's kind of always been with him. I, I read like a shitload of fucking Darth Vader comics over the last couple that, months. That, that's fair. So. I haven't,
0: I have not delved into the comic book world of star Wars as much. Um, but that's cool that there's actually like evidence there to, to say that that line is totally within character. And so, to all of you who told me I was wrong, I'm not wrong. That's totally <laughs> in character. And I loved it. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I liked it too. I didn't I didn't have any problem with it. I wasn't like, oh, that's so stupid. I was like, oh, all right, whatever. I get to see Vader again. I'm not going to bitch. Fucking James Earl Jones. And I want to point something out out about his voice too which I thought was kind of interesting compared to how he sounds in episode four and the rest of the movies is his voice sounds like a a little bit raspy like he's still like his lungs are still kind of healing from inhaling all that fire on Mustafar like I just I don't know his voice seems kind of raspy I thought it was maybe just like age getting to James Earl Jones but I'm like "Ah, you know even if it was it kind of makes sense because he's still
0: in that sort of healing phase you know he's in the back attack yeah it hasn't been that long since the end of the clone wars like it's been a while but it hasn't been that long in like a star wars minute i i didn't really realize until i really started diving into it but like the actual amount of time that the star wars universe expands over is much larger than i had originally imagined hundreds and hundreds of years of.
1: Oh of, oh yeah. When you start
0: delving into the
1: novels yeah, and stuff and everything. Yeah. Else.
0: And like the, the whole extended universe and the range of, of stories is, is into the thousands of years, you know? And it's like, so the amount of time it's been since he basically burnt into a toasty marshmallow and is now walking around being a badass uh, is not really all that far apart.
1: No, it's been about, I would say just by, you know Luke's age. He's probably it's probably been about like maybe fifteen to say seventeen years since he became there. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably something like that, right?
1: I guess so. He's probably still in the healing phase and everything, and you know whatever. But I thought that was just kind of, I was just listening to his voice. I'm like, ah, oh, he sounds sounds a little little uh little crispy on the inside
0: still. <laughs> a little bit of a toasty crispy piece of <laughs> bacon on the inside, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so here's a question for you i'd love to know what you think about the fact that it wrapped up mere moments essentially before episode four (laughs) okay here's here's one thing i don't think that's
1: true only because and this doesn't even make any sense because when we first see c-3po and r2d2 they're still on yavin it doesn't make any sense that that um that corvette that carillion corvette or whatever it is would go back to yavin just to pick them up maybe to get supplies i guess i, I would but...
0: imagine that what happened is probably that they were on the ship and when they the reinforcements came to scare if they were just on board
1: but wasn't that ship on the on that that ship that that akbar guy was flying because he left before we see r2d2 so how did they get up there
0: you know what I mean? No, I'm not sure. I follow
1: because because they left they left for Scarif um, before we see R two and C three PO on Yavin. No, so no, if they that didn't. Ship, I don't
0: think. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Because I thought C three PO and R two were already on Yavin before. Yeah. Anything actually takes place in this movie.
1: Yeah, they were, but when you see them in the movie. That ship that was at least this is how I think now now I'm second guessing myself but I'm pretty sure that ship had already left for Scarif and then when we see them they're still on Yavin. Hmm. Because uh, I think it's before they say oh that that specific commander whatever his name is fish. Head the mon calamari. Yeah, he already left for Scarif apparently that was when they were still kind of rallying people and he was the one he was one of the first ones to go to Scarif.
0: Um sure. But they all arrive pretty much at the same time. So I, I, feel, I feel like yeah, it's, that, that's true. it's within the realm of believability that um, we see them there and they get ushered onto the ship real quick for who knows what reason and taken away right off the top. I, I didn't notice that as being a problem in any of my watch throughs. And based on our scrubbing, I don't think... I don't think it's... I, th- I think it's tight, but... I don't think that it's Yeah, because
1: they could've they could have just shoved them onto the ship in a panic, right? Just there, yeah, you two droids. As, as, as they do. Yeah,
0: you two droids, get over here. Get on this ship. But but you were saying that you don't think that it takes it ends right before the next one begins. No, because well, I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, in in this in this discussion it's it's all speculation because I haven't looked up um what is supposed to be canon for what happened. So I'm I'm just speculating. But
1: to me I think they I think they got a head start on the Empire and they're
0: probably on the run for maybe a couple of weeks or something. Maybe. May, I mean the most I would say is that the Corvette jumps away. Darth Vader is not on his own ship, obviously. So he's got to regroup his troops. He's got to get back onto his own Star Destroyer, and then he's got to follow them. But at the time, there was no way to track ships through hyperspace. It isn't until the First Order, I believe, comes in that they find a way to track through hyperspace. Right, yeah. Maybe that's not true.
1: No, I'm I'm, I'm almost certain you're right on that. I can't remember which one it's set in. Maybe it's Empire that ships can't be tracked through hyperspace. But...
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I know that in in one of the shows or one of the newer movies, they come up with a way, and that's how... Because um, I think that causes problems in Episode 8 and something else um, in another version, another title somewhere. So now, now that I think about it out loud, it doesn't make sense that it would be right before. It probably would have been a little bit of time from point a to point b yeah because it
1: because when the star destroyer catches up with them in uh, episode four it i don't know you just kind of get the feeling like they've been kind of caught up to after
0: you know being after a bit of a a run after a bit of a run exactly yeah that's fair which is too bad because like in my head when i first watched it i laughed at that in a good way because i was like oh man that means that you know, Leia is so ballsy to just straight up be like, nope, we're just a diplomatic mission. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, he watched you fly away. What are you talking about? We have proof. We have video proof of you <laughs> getting away.
1: The Star Destroyer's dash cam. <laughs> <laughs> we also seen you run
0: that red star over there. <laughs> Rebel scum. <laughs> Here's two tickets for traffic <laughs> infractions and also
1: trees. It, it, <laughs> it reminds me it reminds me of that uh the family guy uh Star Wars when he's like, None this rebel scum took a left turn right into an asteroid field that <laughs> That uh, World's <laughs> Craziest Police videos. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I haven't seen that, oh, but really? that makes me happy. <laughs> it's pretty funny.
0: Right into an
1: asteroid field. And the Millennium Falcon's going through, like, a residential area, and they all have, they're all on asteroids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to send me a link to some of these if you can find them. That sounds fantastic. Uh, it's pretty good. Well, my friend, uh, we're getting on that time. Um, is there any other pressing things you feel like you want to say um, to wrap this up? Oh, I guess I had one other question for you, actually, before we totally wrap this up. What do you think about the Tarkin effects and the Leia effect? Uh, sometimes okay, the
1: Leia, Leia Leia's appearance threw me right out of it. Like, I was just like, oh, man, that looks that, that looks weird. Tarkin was passable at times, especially at a distance. But I feel like it would have been better off just using a look-alike with some makeup effects. That would have been way better. It would have been way less distracting. You would have known it wasn't uh, Peter Cushing and um, Carrie Fisher. But it would have been less distracting. It would have, yeah, I don't know. It was just,
0: it was just weird to me, anyways. Okay, that that that's fair. To be honest, the first time I watched it, it didn't bother me at all. I I didn't even notice the effect. And now also, I didn't know Peter Cushing was dead. Oh, okay. So I just thought it was him. And then I saw Leia and I was like, oh, wait a second. They must have gotten, like, I I legitimately thought, oh, they must have gotten a double or something. I couldn't see through it. Oh, man. Yeah. Watching it back again, the friends I was with when I saw it the first time got really grumpy about that scene. The Tarkin one and the Leia one. But... The Tarkin one bothered them because uh, of because of his mouth is what they told me. So when I watched mm-hmm. it again, I watched. And I, I get that because his mouth moves with computerized precision. You know, like people don't speak with such perfect enunciation of their lips. Yeah, I heard the top lip specifically is hard to get right. It, yeah, and I can definitely, because it doesn't move much. But when it does, it's weird movements, right? Yeah. So it's like, I get that. And I think Tarkin was a little more passable because he was in the dark a lot. And so you don't see as much detail. Mm-hmm. But also, I think his he was more problematic for me because he was beside other people. Oh, so when okay. So when he's talking with three <laughs> or four real people around him and he's computerized, you see the difference. Yeah, he just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, because... He, and I mean, now... To their credit, I think they did a really good job with what they had. I think that the effect was actually really well done. I just think that maybe uh, it was not necessarily the right choice, but I don't know how they would have done it better. The actual look was good. Yeah,
1: like I, I don't think it was really bad. I just felt like it was unnecessary. Like you could have had a way better effect with just a lookalike and some some minor makeup prosthetics
0: it's true but i i will counter with with a thought okay and my thought is that filmmaking is an art even when it's a commercialized art like a disney movie and the people in charge of the artistic part of it are still artists and they still want to push boundaries and experiment and try new things and yeah and i i don't like we would never make progress in our technology if we didn't put that technology to use and find the ways that it works and doesn't work and experiment with it. So in this instance, I don't blame them for making that choice because the technology now exists. And I think that it's important to experiment and try new things and and use the technology in ways that push what has been done before and so while I'm I also generally think that practical effects look better on camera usually, they have certain things that they can't do as well. And to get I think with Tarkin and Leia, they're such important characters that I understand the choice to want to put them in. Like Tarkin has such a presence in episode four. Well he he, he told Vader what to do when
1: Vader was choking exactly. that one guy and he's like, release him. he's like, all right motherfucker
0: exactly he's so he's got such an imposing powerful and authoritative figure and and i totally understand why they wanted to use him his his figure and i i 100 understand the the decision to use that effect and to try something new i don't necessarily think that it was the perfect choice and there might have been a better way to do it but it didn't bother me like it seemed to bother a lot of people. And Leia didn't either. I didn't notice at all with her, even looking for it. Like, I'd I'd have to pause the movie on her face to be bothered by it. Right. And it's because because she's not really put up against anybody else. Yeah. You know, she's by herself, and she just has a little moment, and... Yeah, she said the most overused
1: word in the entire movie, and then you put Leia on it, and then it just goes into overload. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, like, that whole scene itself didn't wasn't necessary. Yeah. It didn't need to be there. It was cool
1: to see that Leia was on the ship, so then 100% you know that that's the ship.
0: But It's true. But sometimes it's nice to not know, to be able to just speculate. That's to go back to the Star Wars world thing. It's like you, you can't possibly present every idea and what's canon versus what's head what is head canon versus what is theory you know like those kind of blurred lines are what make people's interaction with fiction so powerful you know the ability for us to put ourselves in it and yeah and imagine what we want it to be um and so, you know, we didn't need to see that to to understand it, yeah, and make those connections.
1: I, I, I would uh, here's here's some just to quickly build off on what you said about advancing the technology with like facial recognition and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But th- now, honestly, like they could probably just deep fake it, man. It would look legit.. True, I mean, dude, probably. like it would yeah. look pretty close. Like I mean, if you took a a Disney budget and then
0: put a deep fake on it you could probably do a pretty damn good job rogue one had a budget of 200 no yeah 200 million and it made over a billion dollars yeah they just killed it
1: it made almost made its budget back in the in the opening weekend so if you could watch like if you could just go back and erase ever watching a star wars movie how would you order your viewing
0: of them um order my viewing as in like, like would you, which order would I watch? Yeah, though? exactly. Yeah. I mean, as far as originals go, I would certainly start with episode four, five, six in that order. Um, I'd probably watch episode one. I would most certainly just not even watch episode two. <laughs> I'd probably replace it watching the clone Wars TV show. Okay. Nice. Um, and then I would do episode three uh, and then Rogue One. Um, and then after that, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Like I'd probably watch the new trilogy. There's my opinion of them has improved mostly just because I've gone back and done some like analysis on them in a more critical way and seen some some really interesting things that they've been trying to do rather than just being grumpy about how I didn't appreciate that. It didn't do what I wanted it to for a star Wars movie. Um, so I'd probably watch the, the trilogy of trilogies or in, in that order, the way they were released.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough.
0: Minus episode two. What about solo? Um,
1: I don't know. Solo wasn't it, it, that it, it, bad. It, it, it sucked, but it wasn't like, it's, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I didn't mind it's it not a, It's not a good movie. Um, it was fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. I also had a lot of points where I was like, no, you didn't. That's <laughs> stupid. Why would you do that? Uh, like him getting his name from that Imperial guy, that made me so mad. Oh yeah. Um, but it also, it just doesn't have any place in the story. Like, it doesn't matter. Ha- Han's backstory has never been something that was important. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was rather more important that we didn't know because it made him more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you imagine the Kessel run for
1: yourself and you're like, Oh, I wonder what, I wonder what that was like. That seems cool. Put it together in my own. I mean, I
0: I get like, I get like, Oh, they wanted, they, they're explaining how parsecs work, which is that they're not, you know, obviously not a unit of measure of time, but distance. (laughs) we got to retcon that guys. They're like, Hey, look, we're actually, we actually know what we're talking about. (laughs) Even though at the time they probably didn't, but it just it doesn't have any weight or bearing in the actual process of the story, and it doesn't add that much to the universe. So yeah. I I don't think I I'd forgotten about it literally until you just mentioned it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not really worth uh, a massive. What about you? Remember. Um, well, I'd watch. I don't know if I'd watch them all in sequential order, or if I'd watch if I'd watch the original trilogy first or yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably watch the original trilogy first just because, uh, they're, they're better. I'd watch episode one, skip attack of the clones, watch episode three, rogue one.
0: And then, um, yeah. I mean, I did, I did toss up watching the clone wars first because that series has a lot that trilogy has a lot to justify its existence. Uh, it does a lot for the story of the Empire that's I think is really important. And it it more more than the original trilogy, the prequels. Everybody's gonna hate me for this, but the prequels really, to me, crack open the universe of Star Wars in the sense that. In the original trilogy, you don't really get access to it, you know? You're following the chosen hero on his chosen one, you know, hero with a thousand faces, like, monomyth journey. Um, We don't go to a lot of places, and the places we do go to are not... um, They're not connected to the history and the world, and we don't get to see... We just get hints of stuff. You know, whereas like the uh, the prequels take those hints of stuff and turn them into actual stuff. Yeah, like seeing and, seeing
1: um the actual well, building on
0: it a
1: little bit. Like it wasn't built on like massively, but like you know, with the Jedi and stuff and the Senate. I think the Senate was more built on than the the actual Jedi were.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and you get like you get that idea of of what the system used to be and how the thing worked and and you get and then in the thing with the prequels I guess is you get the hints of the Jedi's past that is the same thing as what Luke gets hinted at mm. from mm-hmm. the the old republic's past. Yeah. You know, you you get glimpses of it. And in the Clone Wars you get to see more and you learn more about it and I will say there's a couple of really really cool episodes in the Clone Wars that expand on on the Force and show you some really interesting places that reveal a bit about the formation of the force and the formation of the jedi and and a lot of cool stuff and then also you get an episode a couple episodes at the end about um the force ghosts and how they're not commonplace which was super cool so i i would i would highly recommend if you haven't watched that series it's worth going through it's six seasons there's like 18 episodes a season or something that are about 20 minutes long um and there's a lot of really great stuff that's worth watching in there. There's a lot of stuff too where I'm like this is a kid's show and it's you can tell and there's some dropped plot lines and things that oh yeah could have been but like there's a lot of good stuff that's that makes it worth watching. Yeah, um, I I've
1: heard I've heard some things here and there about it like Anakin gets some uh some good character development moments like when he's mm-hmm. fighting with some Sith and stuff. So yeah. Yeah,
0: he gets some great moments. You get some really great moments with um with Grievous and Dooku, you get some great moments with uh, Anakin's Padawan and... and oh, yeah. Um, right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. And and stuff that goes on with her that definitely kind of messes him up. And there's just... Oh, it's surprisingly powerful stuff, some of it, <laughs> for, for being what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's worth a watch. But anyway, his point being is all of those things exist for a reason. And... I think that watching them in that proper order can add a lot to the to the the original trilogy as well. But also it's like the way it was meant to be watched or whatever. Right. Yeah. But on that note, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are very excited to be back. I'm very excited to be back. I can't speak for Paul, but... Yeah, it's all right. You know, It's fine. You have to talk to me now again.
1: I <laughs> know. Yeah, that's going to be good. I've been thinking about this for... I've been thinking about this day for a long time. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be doing this again. I, I think a lot of great things are hopefully coming this year. I've got plans. I've got stuff in the works. There are things coming, um, if I can manage to get them off the ground. But there's, there's stuff in the works. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what this year will bring. And what a great way to start it off.
1: Ryan's got 20 vision in the year 2020. Heck yeah, buddy. Me
0: too. Until next time. Thanks, guys.
1: Bye.